This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and I'm excited to be joined by a special guest this evening, Mr. John Lab. John, welcome back to the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. You have been a frequent visitor over the year. It is always fun to talk to someone of your passion, your energy, your intelligence when it comes to the college football world and the college football prospects. Oh, Paul, thanks for having me on. I love coming on. And I can honestly say now, my friend, I don't know how many times I've been on. I lost count. So I feel like I'm a member of the team. I love coming on your Matt show Saturday to Sunday. It's one of the best shows that I listen to all the time. So it's a pleasure to be with you. Senior Bowl week, Matt, Paul, it's jumped right up on us. Absolutely. No Shrine Bowl this year due to everything going on with COVID in our country, but the Senior Bowl is finding a way to make it happen. And honestly, this could end up being one of the most important Senior Bowls maybe of all time with the word that we got over the last week that the combine is not going to be taking place as we, you know, traditionally know they're going to still do some regional combines to get the medical checks, but it doesn't sound like there's going to be any type of uniformity in terms of testing numbers There's going to be pro days and, and stuff like that. And we know those numbers, you know, are very hard to be an apples to apples comparison. So I really think the senior bowl is really the, the last piece of really good information we're going to get between now and draft weekend, besides, you know, some pro day stuff here or there that, again, I think it's going to be very hard to really put a lot of stock into. So this is going to be a big week for a lot of prospects. And, you know, here at Saturday to Sunday, we're going to preview it. There might be a, a midweek episode where we kind of talk about what's going on in terms of the practices from with our eyes and what we're hearing. And then also obviously recapping it after the game next week as well. So, so John, let's get right into it. I'm going to, I'm going to bring up the rosters here as well. Let's start the quarterback position and, you know, on the American team, you know, the, the quarterback group is very intriguing this year. On that side, they have Kellen Mann at Texas A&M, Kyle Trask out of Florida, Jamie Newman out of technically Georgia, even though he never took a snap there. Uh, they're the three quarterbacks on that side. Let's let's start right there with that trio. I'm most intrigued to see Jamie Newman. He was a guy who I had a day two grade on before the season started, and I did see some Cam Newton-like stylistic in terms of how he played in terms of his throwing motion, the running capabilities, the arm talent. I was really excited to see him in the SEC because I thought we needed to see a step up in competition for him. And then, you know, he chose to opt out the year. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold that against any of these prospects who made that decision, but I think this is a big week for him. He needs a big week to try to maybe become a day two quarterback prospect again. And then Kyle Trask, I've been saying it all year. He showed as much improvement as just about any quarterback this year. I think he's a day two prospect. I don't have a big difference between him and Mac Jones. I know that might be a little bit of, you know, uh, a different opinion than what's out there. I'm interested to see Trask here as well. Kellen Mond. A lot of raw tools, but very inconsistent over the years. He's a guy who I think is going to get drafted somewhere on day three because of his traits. And the NFL team will try to harness that and make something of it. Any thoughts on the quarterback group of this side on the American team there from Mon to Trask to Newman? Not in love with it. 
And I know that might be shocking to some. I'm going to start with Newman, my partner on the um, draft seminar, Matt. He's like you. He likes Newman. And him and I were discussing. I see the physical traits and lots of upside. But when I put him in my model and I look at the numbers, he does not hit one of my five benchmark stats. Not one, Paul. Now, my model is not concrete. I'm not going to tell you. In my opinion, there's no perfect model. But I will say this. In the eight years I've had this model put together, not one quarterback who has hit zero on the five metrics is a starter in the NFL. Not one. Now, it does not mean he can't. Maybe he's the outlier because there are traits there, size, arm strength, mobility. I get it. I The ceiling I see. But when I put the total package together, he's only played 18 games. So, one, I'm, I know you're a, a, a Parcells guy. Parcells said this years ago, and I believe it. I like 30 starts. Not solid stone, right? 28, I'm okay. Obviously, 40 is great, right? But 18 is so far below the threshold, Paul. I don't think he has the experience. Then, what really bothers me, his touchdown to interception ratio. Paul, I like three to one. He's barely two to one. 35 touchdowns to 16 interceptions. So far, because he doesn't have the game experience, he hasn't put together that Trask and Jones type season that you just mentioned where, you know, you go out and throw third down two interceptions. So that bothers me. His completion percentage barely creeps above 60%. I'm looking for 65. Passing efficiency, 142.7. I like 155. So he's well below threshold. The only one he's close on is yards per attempt. I'm looking for eight because I like Guys who throw the ball down the field. Jamie Newman, 7.8. But I think that's because he benefited from Scotty Washington and Sage Surratt, who were both very good at gaining yak yardage. So I have my concerns about Newman. Paul, the missing the year at Georgia, to me, was so such a disappointment for me. I liked him at Wake Forest, but then he got injured last year. I wanted to see what he did with an uptick in competition going from the ACC to the SEC. I have my questions about it. I have a third – I actually have a third-slash-fourth-round grade. What I think will happen, Paul, a team's going to love the ceiling. And I believe when you go for quarterbacks, people are looking for ceilings. And sometimes I think they discount the floor. I think Jamie Newman's floor is huge. He could be washed out in three years in the NFL. So, look, he could be a starter. And and I've said it to everyone, Paul, you know I'm a teacher like you. I want everyone to succeed. But my model and what I've seen says it would be very hard for him to get over the hurdle. Now, since we're going to go on at Kellen Mond, I don't want to spend a ton of time on Mond because I watched – Way too much of him <laughs> because he's actually started 47 games 
at Texas A&M. It's actually pretty amazing. He's, I was like, when I looked at him at the end of the year, I'm like, wow, he's actually played 47. I know I watched him a lot for the Aggies, but I didn't actually believe he played that long. And he's up in his career leader in touchdowns, yards, completions, and total offense. 6'3", 217. But in my model, he only hits one bench, two benchmarks, I'm sorry. Games played at 47 and touchdown interception ratio. He's actually pretty good, Paul, at not turning the football over. But paradoxically, I don't think he has that chutzpah. Like, you know, to put the ball in between two defenders, 20 yards downfield. What I see a lot on film, and the numbers kind of confirm this, I see someone who's looking deep on his first read. If he doesn't like it, he tucks and goes too quickly. You know, the, the great quarterbacks, the Dan Marinos, the Dan Fouts, the, the Brett Favre's, the Patrick Mahomes, they throw that ball where no one should be throwing it, right? I think Kellen Mann is on the total opposite end. He's too afraid to make a mistake. And I don't think you can succeed in the NFL if you're too conservative. Sometimes you have to take what's there even though you're a little bit nervous. So I'm not a big, but 6-3-2-17 and a good dual threat quarterback. Ironically, he does have the traits that we're now looking for, right? The Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens. He's, he's not on their tier per se, but he has some of those dual threat takes. Kyle Trask, because I think he's more important to look. And I think what you said is interesting. Now, personally, I have Mac Jones ahead of Kyle Trask, but that's right now. But I have him for five and six. I do like Trask. And my model, Paul, loves Trask. My model, he hits four of the five benchmarks. Guess what, Paul's the only one he doesn't hit. You probably can guess this. What's the only one he doesn't hit? Uh, Athleticism? Uh, Nope, games played. Because, now this is interesting. Do you know this story? He played behind Derek King in high school. I didn't know that. So, and then he ends up at Florida, and he couldn't get on the field. He played behind Felipe Franks, who's actually at the senior ball also, if you didn't know. And the reason Trask got on the field was because Felipe Franks got injured, my brother. If Felipe Franks get doesn't get injured last year, who knows if Kyle Trask even gets on the field? Now, I'll give this to the young man. Since he's been on the field, simply spectacular. There's absolutely no question about how well he's played quarterback from a production standpoint. My model says touchdown interception ratio, bingo. Completion percentage, bingo. Passing efficiency, yards per attempt, everything's good. Now, put it into context. He's thrown to Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Toney and Trayvon Grimes. And last year, he had Van Jefferson, the second-round pick who we saw with the Los Angeles Rams pop once in a while. He has had extremely good talent around him. Now, Tua did also. So I'm just trying to put it in context here. Extremely good talent around him. And Dan Mullins, the coach of Florida, is known as one of the best and most creative offensive minds in college football. So Trask threw to a lot of open receivers because Mullins is such a good offensive coordinator. He schemed players to be open. 
240. Kyle Trask looks the part. Paul, I believe if this was 2001, Kyle Trask is off the board in the first five picks. Now, he's underrated athletically. He's a little better running the football than you would think in manipulating the pocket. But I cannot put him. You know, hey, look at your Giants fan. He's not even as good as Daniel Jones, right? Like, and, and, and I kind of think right now when I'm looking at the quarterback position, I think Daniel Jones is the floor that I want competitively from a leg standpoint. I don't think we're going to ever see a, a Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning trio, three pocket passers, even though Ben was pretty good in the pocket, he, especially when he was younger, but he manipulated it. Kyle Trask was born 15 years too late. He does have things. Now, I will. I, I am worried about his arm strength on the deep ball. But look, you can survive in the NFL without having the best deep ball of all time. There are things, and I think the NFL teams are going to like him more than I do. And all we know, Paul, only one team has to like him. So Kyle Trask could sneak into that first round. I really do believe it, especially on the back end when you're looking at playoff teams of veteran quarterbacks. I'm interested very much. I like Mac Jones better. You like Kyle Trask better. That's awesome. That's an interesting debate. What will the NFL do? Who's going to go first? I think that's kind of where the argument begins. Trask and Jones. Tell me what you like about Trask and you've seen it, Paul. Yeah, I mean, I just like, you know, I think you're right. I don't think he's a guy that the way the NFL is played now, he doesn't have that athleticism. He doesn't have that mobility. You want guys, not every guy's got to be Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, but you want them, like you said, to be Daniel Jones. You want them to be able to move around the pocket, buy time in the pocket, take off when need, at least have the threat of the RPOs and Trask and you could tie Mac Jones in there. I think they're I think they're very much attached at the hip this year. I think Mac Jones I'm not I'm not naive enough to think that Mac Jones is not going ahead of Kyle Trask. He is. Mac Jones might sneak into the to the back end of round one. I think it's a mistake. I think he's a great college player. I think this is a huge week for him. He needs to detach himself from that Alabama offense. It's so weird that usually he has to go to an all-star setting <laughs> to detach himself from from his team so we can get a better feel for who he is. Yeah. That is but that is that's the God's honest truth. Yes. And I look at Mac Jones and it I've said it all year and it comes across and people hear it and say look at it as as criticism. But but Mac Jones as a player reminds me so much of Mason Rudolph when Mason Rudolph was coming out of Oklahoma State. And and Mason Rudolph didn't pan out. So I'm not going to sit there and say that's Mac Jones. He's not going to pan out. Mason Rudolph was thought of as an intriguing day two quarterback prospect that the Steelers drafted with visions of him maybe one day replacing Ben Roethlisberger. No, it didn't pan out. But that's what I I see Mac Jones, and I see a guy very similar to what Mason Rudolph. Mason Ru- Rudolph had a really good ideal passing setup when he was the quarterback there at Oklahoma State. He had James Washington. He had a good scheme. He had He had guys wide open. That was kind of that was kind Wide of Mac open Jones. Oklahoma State. Yeah, so that's kind of what Mac Jones is working here. I think Mac Jones is a little bit better in 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 decision making, reading coverages, but I think they're very stylistically similar. I think Mac Jones could be a a a, a low end to average starting quarterback. I to me, I think his ceiling is an Andy Dalton like, and that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. I just, 
That's fine. I just I would be a little bit gun shy if I was a team investing that in round one the way the game is being played right now. And from what I from what it seems like, I don't think Trask is going to participate during Senior Bowl week. Mac Jones is going to be there's four quarterbacks on the American team. Mac Jones is going to be the guy there. And I mean, you you said it. Teams want those guys. It's going to take one team that that looks at Mac Jones. You know, and and says we're okay with him just being a traditional pocket passing quarterback. We're okay with him running play action and, and setting up everything around them because that's what it's going to need. This is as big of a week for a quarterback at the Senior Bowl as I could remember. We've seen guys go there and catapult from maybe mid round one to you know the top of the draft. You know, Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz. We've seen it, but Mac Jones, I think it goes bad this week. He pick in the in the second or third round. It oh, goes good. This, it goes good this week. He can be in the top twenty, whether I agree with it or not. That's just that's just the way it is. So huge week for Mac Jones. Going to be really interested to see. Jamie Newman's the the one wild card that I still want to see. I, I think he's very much a developmental guy. He would have to sit a year or two. He'd have to be taken by a team that isn't even thinking about starting him for, for some time and, and really groom him, get him working preseason, you know, when games are blowouts, get him, you know, some reps and go from there. The other quarterbacks, I don't think a lot of conversation about the other ones. We got Felipe <laughs> Franks, who you mentioned, formerly of Florida, now at Arkansas. I think he's a late round, a late day three UDFA, you know, developmental, you know, practice squad type quarterback, Ian Book. He reminds me a lot of Colt McCoy coming out. If he could even carve out a Colt McCoy career, that would be a big win for Ian Book. Uh, good athleticism gamer, but I just think he lacks the the uh, the physical traits that it, it's going to take to even be a you know a backup quarterback in the NFL. I think he'd really have to work to get there. And then Sam Ellinger really intrigues me with his size, his frame, you know, his his leadership but very inconsistent in terms of the quarterbacking aspects of it, reading coverages, going through progressions, inconsistency in terms of ball placement at times. But he's a weapon. He can take off and run. He can make plays with his legs. He, of all these other guys, after Mac Jones, Newman, and Kyle Trask, Ellinger is the one that intrigues me the most. It would be Ellinger and Mond would be in that like middle of the of the grouping of the these quarterbacks who would intrigue me a little bit as maybe a round five or round six guy because they have some athletic upside. They have a lot of games played under their under their you know pedigree. And Ellinger and Mond kind of fit there, fit that model for me as an intriguing guy on round five or round six, as a guy who's got an athletic profile, who can run, use his legs, played a lot of games. That those would be the two other guys after the top three, which I think is clearly Mac Jones, Kyle Trask in their own tier here, Jamie Newman in the wild card, and then I think it's kind of Mond and, and Sam Ellinger, kind of the other guys who maybe are draftable guys, you know, and, and we're not talking late, late in the draft or priority free agents. Anything of 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 worth to, to on your end there on Frank's book or Ellinger, or do you want to take this to running backs? No, I'll I'll take quick no, I agree with you, Felipe Franks. Um, you know, he was drafted by the Red Sox in the 31st round, and he might be a better pitcher than he is a quarterback. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just saw a lot of Felipe Franks. I just, I think he's undrafted free agent. Give the dream a shot. Ian Book, you mentioned it, six feet, 206 pounds. A little bit small, but look at, we've seen small quarterbacks do exceptionally well. Now, Book functions well outside of the play structure. So there is some film here that I like. 
but consistency is not there. Arm strength is not there. I have lots of questions about book. To me, fifth round grade. <clears throat> the one, now I agree with your rankings completely. I think teams will like Newman more because of the ceiling. Sam Ellinger is intriguing. He has fallen way down my draft board. I had higher expectations coming into his last year at Texas. I, I would have hoped that he had taken it to another level. He just did not. 46 games played, I like that. Nice touchdown to interception ratio. But, Paul, you said it. He tucks and runs too much. He's, he's a runner who throws well. But he's not even a great thrower of the football. He's just good. And he doesn't have deep strength. He does have anticipation. And he's a natural leader. But that's not going to win a lot of games. And I don't mean this. This is interesting how the NFL has changed, I think, in house scouting. I really think he's Tim Tebow. Tebow was a first-round pick. But Tebow was Heisman winner from Florida, right? And we didn't know how to judge the spread offense back then. And all it took was one team. Josh McDaniels and the Broncos fell in love with them. But really, I think Ellinger is Tebow. I think Ellinger will land on a team, third, you know, maybe third on the depth chart. Because I think a team is going to like his off-field leadership, and they're going to see physical traits that they're intrigued by. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. And and Tebow, I think he's always been a really good comparison for him. And yeah. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And again, listen, Tim Tebow, you know, if, if Tim Tebow was a quarterback right now in, in college, he wouldn't be a first round pick. It's just no. things have changed. You know, yeah. that was a, that was a unique circumstance that, you know, he rode the momentum and the, the Tebow mania and he rode it right to a first round pick. And, you know, like all, listen, I'll, I'll never understand why he didn't have a longer career in the NFL because he was substantially better than so many backup quarterbacks where he could have came in in, a, in an instance and made place to win a football game. But people just didn't want the circus. Not that it was a negative environment, but coaches just didn't want it and feel the need to have that circus and that Tebow mania. But he belonged in the league, you know, like I agree. Yeah. You know, like there were, there were, he was better than the majority of, of backup quarterbacks. You know, there was a majority of teams that when their car, their starter goes down, Tebow couldn't, you know, Tebow could have came in and made some plays with his legs and occasionally with his arm, but it's a different era now. So yeah. I like Ellinger, but I think him and Mon round five, round six, they're stashes, they're developmental. You're buying based on athleticism and some physical traits and a lot of games started and hope that they can materialize and maybe develop into a backup quarterback. So it'll be interesting. It's a unique, it's a better quarterback class than usual is there. Let's be honest. We we're talking about a guy that could potentially be a first rounder in Mac Jones, two potential guys in day two. And then even the other guys, Kellen Mond that started a lot of games, like you said, played in the sec, you know, yeah. Sam Ellinger started a lot of games, you know, Texas, big program, Ian book. How many big games does he play? for Notre Dame? Yeah. So it's it's an intriguing quarterback class, even though it doesn't have the Josh Allen, the Baker Mayfield, the Carson Wentz, that top five pick there. It's got it's got some depth to it that I think makes it intriguing there. You know, from the the top guy to almost all the way down, you know, to maybe six deep there that that are somewhat intriguing based on their college careers, you know, and potentially moving forward. If we take this to the running back, let's we'll go through a little bit quicker here at the the other positions. Quarterback, I really thought you know warranted a lot. 
here's all the running backs that are gonna that are on the rosters right now. I don't think Najee Harris plans on playing in the game, but he's on the roster. So <laughs> obviously, uh, obviously, Alabama running back Najee Harris. He's to me, he's the number one running back in this class. Not a lot to be said about that. Three down back and do it all. He just continued to impress this year. His running, his receiving, his pass protection. You know, he's he's a complete package. I think he goes late round one to the top 10 picks in round two. Uh, the second big name that's on the roster list is Michael Carter out of UNC. I did a deep dive on him a couple weeks ago. He really intrigues me. He's somewhere of a, of a cross or a blend between Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Devin Singletary, and Darren Sproles. You mix them together and make a new player. I think it's Michael Carter in terms of a little bit of this, in terms of his contact balance, low center of gravity reminds me of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. His vision and patience remind me of Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary tested poorly at the combine a couple of years ago, and people were like, that's not who we sort of on film. That was because Devin Singletary's vision and patience in college made his athleticism look greater than it was. I can I see some of that vision and that patience from Michael Carter. And then Darren Sproles, a, that guy who can be a weapon receiving out of the backfield, smaller but good frame to him. I think you kind of blend those guys together. I think Michael Carter has a chance to go somewhere on day two, maybe in round three. If not, I think he definitely comes off the board early in round four as a as a nice compliment to some uh, someone else who's in a backfield. And I really think he could be an intriguing weapon at the next level. A lot of versatility there with Michael Carter. Uh, other guys, I think the most guy who has the biggest to prove this week, Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State. He showed some receiving capabilities early in the year in that Mike Leach offense, but wasn't doing much on the ground, then opted out. I think this is a big week for him. I've never been as high on him. I thought he was a lesser version of Zach Moss, and I, I thought Zach Moss was solid, but I wasn't a huge fan of him. I thought he was a little overdrafted last year. I thought he was more of a round four guy. I think Kylan Hill is more of like a round five guy. So I think this is a big week for him. A lot Elijah Mitchell out of Louisiana, smaller school. I, I think he's a draftable player in round three. Uh, Cahill Herbert out of Virginia Tech. He's someone that I have not had a lot of eyes on yet, so I don't want to. I don't want to pretend that I have. Uh, Ramonde Stevenson out of Oklahoma. Ramondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma, and then Larry Roundtree out of Missouri. I, I, I've studied Larry Roundtree. He's in our scouting notebooks here. I think he's a solid guy, just about everything, but no, no real standout traits. I think he's a grinder in between the tackles type. Uh, Probably a fourth round. I mean, a fourth uh, running back on a roster. I think he's more of a late, uh, a late day free priority free agent. And then the one guy who I, I wanted to wait till last to bring him up, who intrigues me the most, John, is Demetric Felton. He reminds me so much of Naheem Hines type player. His versatility. I think Demetric Felton could go a lot higher than people think, and people are going to be surprised by it, but I'm not going to be surprised by it. We saw how high Antonio Gibson went. We see how high playmakers go. Demetric Felton is a playmaker. I think he's going to be very intriguing. I think he's going to be a sleeper in a running back class that after Harris, Ethan, you know, Javante Williams, Trey Sermon, Michael Carter is kind of up for grabs. Trevor Harbert fell a little bit this year. Kent Gainwell lost some steam this year. I think Felton is right in that mix. He could be anywhere from RB6 to RB10 in this class, and it wouldn't surprise me if he jumps into the mix because of his versatility and his pass catching. Thoughts on Felton or Hill? I think those are the two, to me, that are most intriguing You know, from this group. 
First, I agree with you completely. I love Najee Harris. He's my number one back, too. Paul, great minds think alike. Some people don't have um, Najee Harris at the top. I do. So, And he's not going to practice. And we all saw how great he was, Alabama. I popped up three guys when you started mentioning him. Immediately, Michael Carter. I couldn't agree with you more, Paul. 5'8", 199. But you know what's interesting? People, he's a great receiver, right? But what's more interesting? He led the Tar Heels in rushing this year. If you ask nine out of ten people who led the North Carolina Tar Heels in rushing, I bet nine would say Javonta Williams. Nope, it was Michael Carter. Michael Carter has also had back-to-back thousand-yard rushing seasons. He is so good. Now, I think, I have a second-round grade, but I think my inflation, the NFL will draft him in the third. If they don't take him in the third, Paul, I think you're right. Immediately that night, that overnight, when the when they start to relook at their boards, one of those teams are going to say, we got to get Michael Carter early fourth round. I think he has a really nice, long NFL career ahead of him. I like Michael Carter. He can help you in so many ways, and I love him in space, man. I mean, when you see him, when he gets back, when he gets past the first level of the defense, he's awesome in space and at the secondary level. Kylan Hill, interesting, because I do like him. I love the film from 2019. I know some people don't. I do. When you're talking about an SEC back, and maybe I'm biased, I'm prejudiced, I like SEC backs. He was first team all SEC. What I really liked about him this year, I was worried about his ability to catch passes. But they brought in Mike Leach and the Air Raid offense. I think he played. This is weird. You know, he only played two games, Paul. Did you know that? And then he, right? And in the one game he played, one of the games he played, he had 15 receptions for 158 yards, Paul. I almost feel like he just wanted to show scouts and have tape that he could make receptions. And also, if you know Mike Leach in the air raid, the running game is really just a short passing game. So that's how Mike Leach uses it. So he showed me that he can catch the ball. He's 5'11 and 215 pounds. I really like that size back. Nice size, 5'11", but that 215, he holds it well. He's strong. He's physical. He's shifty, and I think he has good vision. So I like Kylan Hill, and I agree with you. This is a very important week for him at the Senior Bowl. The one guy I don't think you mentioned, but Trey Sermon, I liked him a lot. He was so good down the stretch. 6'1", 215 pounds, 331 yards against Northwestern. My friends, Northwestern was a good defense this year. If you didn't watch college football, I think that performance against the Wildcats in the Big Ten championship game when Justin Fields was playing very poorly, I think Trey Sermon's 331 yards is one of the most perfect, one of the most impressive performances that I have seen in my eight years. Because Northwestern can play defense. Their linebackers are good, their front seven is good. They don't give you free yards. I like Trey Sermon a lot. And you nailed it. Demetric Felton. Paul, he could be a second rounder, 
or a fourth rounder. I think teams are going to rate him all over very differently. Like, I was surprised when the Washington football team took Antonio Gibson. I didn't expect him to go that early, but they loved him. My friends, Demetri Felton played behind Joshua Kelly at UCLA. He also played in that wide-open Chip Kelly offense. If you've not seen Demetri Felton, he's spectacular in the passing game. 99 career receptions, 15 touchdowns. This was the first year that he finally got the lion's share of the touches in the backfield for the Bruins. I like it. He had 26% of the scrimmage yards for the Bruins this year, 827 yards from scrimmage. Remember, they only played six games in the Pac-12. So 827 yards in six games is pretty good for us. 510, 200 pounds. And I, I put on my notes, pulsating offensive weapon. Get the man the ball in space. Jet sweeps, quick passes. You could run him deep down the field. He could go out on a Y. You could put him in motion on the Y. You could play him in a in, in a you know in a 14 personnel, and you could put him in the slot. I like Felton also, Paul. Yeah, he's he's a wild card. He's a guy. Every time I watch him, I feel like I want to move him higher in my running back ranks. He's not a, you know, it's it's like you almost need to create like a new position for these guys because he's not yes. a running back. He's not a receiver. He's just an offensive weapon. And you know, last last year on this show, Matt and I, you know, we basically deemed a position the wing back, and we said guys like Devin Duvernay. Like you, you almost need a position for these guys that are, are a little different than the traditional. And Felton is going to fall in that mix where just like Antonio Gibson he could go a lot higher than I think where than we potentially think he is because of that and I'm glad you brought up Trey Sermon unless I miss it he's not on the roster on the list that I'm looking at right now so I don't oh. know if he's down there but not participating but he's not on the list but again obviously he's a guy who you know if he is down there in any capacity similar to Najee Harris yeah I think Sermon is seen his stock I liked him at Oklahoma I always thought it was somewhat uh, you know, somewhat disingenuous. And when people said that him and Kennedy Brooks were the same player, I thought it was a big, big gap between Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon. I thought Trey Sermon, you know, uh, was much better in terms of his running ability, his athleticism, putting it on all together. I thought Kennedy Brooks was much more of a plotter type. Uh, I, I'm really glad that Trey Sermon had a strong finish to the year to kind of, uh, you know, get a little bit more accolades there and really get the credit that he deserved uh, for sure. So let's keep this moving and I'm going to take it to the tight end position and then we'll round it out with the wide receivers and go a little deeper there. Uh, I don't think there's a lot to say here about the tight ends. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm looking at this list and, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm, I'm caught up on all these guys. Cause the truth of the matter is I am not caught up on a lot of these guys. Uh, you know, Kenny Yebo is a guy that intrigues me out of Ole Miss. I think he's probably one of the more intriguing guys down there. Kylan Granson is probably the one that I have, I have rated the highest. He's a guy who, uh, out of SMU, very much a move tight end. Not going to be a guy that does a lot of inline blocking, but I like his athletic upside. Uh, so Kyle Granson is a guy that, that intrigues me a little bit. You know, when I watched him in the summer, I had him as my, right now he's my, 
is number six on my board. So obviously you had Pitts, Fryer Moore, Brevin Jordan, Charlie Collar, Brett, uh, Brent uh, Keith from Utah. And then I had Kyle Granson because I thought he is a guy that could be an offensive weapon at the next level and used in a variety of ways, motion uh, in the slot, you know, really be a guy that could match up against linebackers and create a mismatch. So he's the guy that I'm most intrigued with down there. Uh, Next would be Kenny Yebo in terms of what he's done at, at, for Ole Miss. And then Noah Gray out of Duke was a guy who came into the year probably one of the more highly regarded senior tight ends and just really hasn't lived up to uh, that this year and and it's kind of struggled. I don't see anybody on this who's in consideration to go in the first three or four rounds. I think Granson and Yebo would be in that mix maybe, you know, five round five round six uh the other guys that are going to be there quinton morris out of bowling green trey mckitty out of georgia hunter long out of boston college uh tony uh out of virginia and john bates out of boise state john anything from this tight end group even excite you remotely even on a early day three type level i'm surprised because i do like one of them and I'm surprised you don't like him, only because you and I think a lot alike, but that's what makes this so much fun. I like Hunter Long. I think an NFL team is going to like Hunter Long because he's your very traditional inline blocker. I think Hunter Long can come in on day one and help you in the running game in two tight end sets. And if you're, you know, if he had to play 30 snaps and run some patterns, he probably could do it. What I saw at Boston College this year was, to me, amazing. He moved up my board more than any other tight end in this process this year. First, Paul, he had 22% of the Eagles' aerial passing yards. 22% for a tight end. And anyone who saw Boston College, they're not very good at throwing the football. Even though they were better this year with Jerkovich than they've been. So I'll give them a little bit of credit. But he really was good. And, Paul, you know, maybe I'm too old. He reminds me of Mark Bavara. He, he, he can attack the middle of the defense. He's 6'5", 253. I feel like an, old, an NFL team is going to like this. You know who would like him, I think? If you've studied Bill Belichick, he likes these tights. He, he said Kyle Brady was the best prospect he had ever seen. Now, that's when he was with, like, the Cleveland Browns. And he was livid that the Browns took Kyle – or the Jets took Kyle Brady before he could get him in Cleveland. Hunter Long, you, you line him up in line. You run him between the hash marks, Paul. He has really soft hands, good body control. I don't know if he can attack the deep seam, seam on a consistent basis. Right, He doesn't have the Travis Kelsey ability to get deep and beat you horizontally and vertically. But if you tell him to get open in the box between the linebackers and the safeties, he's going to get open for you. And he can save quarterbacks with his body control in his hands. So I like Hunter Long. I would not be surprised if he's off much earlier. Now, I'm very glad you said Kenny Yeeball. I like Kenny Yeeball a lot, man. I, in the Northeast, I have UConn season tickets. I watched the American Athletic Conference. Yeba played at Temple. And what I liked about him at Temple, he's a good run blocker. 
my friends, you don't get on the field for the Owls if you can't block. Temple runs the football, they run the football, and they run the football. 6'5", 230 pounds, a little light, just a little light. If he was like 245, oh my God, that'd be perfect. But okay, 230, but he can block. And he went to Mississippi as a graduate transfer. And what he did in the SEC in one year, in new office with a new coach, 27 catches for 524 yards and six touchdowns. Just really interesting player. And ironically, Evan Ingram's from Mississippi. I mean, he he, he does have some Evan Ingram in his game. I don't he I have him right now as a hybrid wide receiver tight end. I like him also. And then Granson, I'm glad you mentioned him. I just don't know. Is he a slot receiver at 235 or is he a a tight end. You know, he's like an H-back slot receiver. You can move him all around, but his hands are excellent. His route running is good, and he can get open deep. If you don't know, he was at Rice as a wide receiver. Then he transferred and sat a year, and then he's the last two years he's played tight end for the Mustangs. I agree with you on Granton. Very interesting pick. Yeah, and listen, you know, you brought up there the Boston College tight end. I haven't watched a lot of Hunter Long, but it, from from what it sounds like, you know, listen, those guys are still in demand. I mean, Red Ellison, yes. a guy like Red Ellison has had a had a long career <laughs> in the NFL. Like so, like if, if you could be a good blocker and just be somewhat functional, you could have a long career as a second tight end. You know, you know, so many teams running twelve personnel. They want a tight end who just can do the grit work and be a good blocker. So if that's what who Long is, you know, he could be a guy that, you know, teams on day three or listen, teams aren't looking on the first couple of rounds to, to take a blocking tight end. No. But on day three, teams will use picks on blocking tight ends for sure. You know, we, we've seen it. So that, that, that puts long in the mix. Yebo is an intriguing guy. I think he's one of the more intriguing guys down there that could see his stock rise a little bit. Listen, everyone's going to always look now for that wide receiver tight end hybrid and hope that you have the next Darren Waller. Obviously that's, you know, shooting for the stars, but you know, but position football is becoming almost positionless. So, <laughs> it's like, it you know, we're, we're getting there. And that's why I look at a guy like Kyle Granson and think to myself, Dustin Keller was a small guy. Jordan Reed is a small guy. You get him with a creative offensive mind, they'll find a way to use his skill set. Is he going to be a guy that can hold up in line? Absolutely not. Could he be a guy that in motion as, you know, think Chris Cooley, think Dallas Clark, you know, those guys didn't hold up at the point of attack, special, especially Dallas Clark. Like he was basically a, a wide receiver. In, yes. who lined up, who was titled the tight end. So Kyle Granton, I think, is intriguing. There's a big, obviously, gap after the top of this class, but I think you put him in the mix after, you know, after you talk about your guys like, obviously, Kyle Pitts, his own tier, Friar Muth and Jordan. I like Charlie Kolar a lot. But, like, I think a guy like Brand Keith and Kyle Granson are, are built from the same cloth. I think they're very intriguing due to their athletic upside, and their pass catching ability. Not going to be guys that can hold up at the point of attack. And then I think you got guys like Yebo, uh, you know, Nick Eubanks out of Michigan. I I, I might have missed it, but I have not heard word yet. Maybe you know. 
on uh, Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin. I don't know if he's going back to school or or coming out, but he was a guy that I had on my list from earlier in the year. He was a little intriguing. Uh, Luke Farrell's another guy similar to what you were just talking about, the Boston College tight end, that Luke Farrell's more of that traditional inline blocking tight end as well. So it's, it, there's not a lot after the top. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to open the door for some of these guys to maybe move their dress stock up a little bit, whether they're pure pass catchers or that those guys that can be, you know, really stabilizing blocking presences for sure. Absolutely, my friend. There's talent here. It just, you know, I mean, especially when you consider we have Kyle Pitts at the top. There's talent, and it depends what you're looking for, in my opinion, on day three. Absolutely. So let's take this to the wide receivers because it's, it's a it's a class. It, I mean, it's, it's a class. It's, it's a senior bowl class. It's an overall draft class thing. It's just a remarkable draft class. Obviously, we'll start the top. You know, De- Devonta Smith not going to participate in any of the on-field activity. But I mean, me included and everybody else. Question the decision to go back for Devonta Smith. I thought he would have been taken in the 20s last year. He goes back to school. It looked like maybe a wrong decision, but he ends up having one of the greatest (laughs) seasons in college football history, wins a Heisman Trophy, wins the national title, and now is probably looking at a top six to eight pick, maybe even top three pick, but probably a lock in the top six or top eight. He is the the star of of this class in terms of the Senior Bowl uh, group. Uh, you have other big names there. I think the next biggest name is probably Tylen Wallace. I think he's flying under the radar. I think he's a day two plug and play guy who can come in and make an immediate impact. He's got inside outside versatility. I love his body control, his ability to adjust at the catch point. He's willing, even at his size, he, he goes up and wins some contested catches. I like Tylen Wallace. Nice to see him have a, uh, you know, he went back to school after suffering an injury last year. I think Tylen Wallace is, is is penciled in probably for a round three pick, but maybe if it wasn't a, such a great class, he's probably got round two talent. Uh, Sage Surratt, uh, listen, he was very highly regarded when the year started. It looks like more people now are a little bit more lukewarm on him, even though he didn't p- play this year. I think there's going to be some concerns about separation quickness, his ability to get open. I think people are going to look at Sage Surratt and have some, you know, concerns, uh, you know, that he is a guy who wins at the catch point, but he's not going to be able to translate that maybe at the next level. And I'm drawing a blank, John. Help me out. Stanford wide receiver, drafted by the Eagles, round two. Stanford white side. I think, I think <laughs> the NFL is a copycat world, and sometimes they overreact to things. I think Surratt might people might look at the Arcega Whiteside failure and 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 pigeonhole Surratt. And I don't think they should. Because uh, I was the one at the top of the hill last year saying, don't say that T. Higgins is going to be the next Laquan Treadwell. Not every guy who doesn't have separation quickness can't get open and can't yeah. win at the NFL level. Yes. So, but I do think there's going to be some concerns, and because the class is so strong, and because the NFL has moved more to guys who get open than win at the catch point, I think Surratt's going to fall. How much? I don't know. Before the year started, I thought he had a legitimate round two type potential. Now, I think it might be day three, hopefully for his sake, a big week here. Maybe he can get himself back into the round three mix. I think Surratt's a big name. Nico Collins, he was one of the top senior wide receivers going into this year. 
after the Devonta Smiths of the world and, and you know Tylen Wallace opted out. I don't like him as much as some. Dame Brugler, guy we've had on the show here a lot. I respect him a ton. He's been a fan of Nico Collins. Some other people out there, fans of Nico Collins. I think this is a big week for him. He wins at the catch point. He, you know, good size, good frame, catch radius, length. You know, Nico Collins, this is a big week for Nico Collins to try to catapult himself. We, a couple guys going back to school, like Chris Olave, Justin Ross. I think it opens the door for maybe a few other guys to maybe catapult themselves back into the top 100 mix. Maybe that's Surratt. Maybe that's Nico Collins. I think both of those guys, if they're not playing this year, are going to need big weeks down here. And then I think the fifth biggest name, and then we'll stop there, and then we'll, we'll talk about some other ones in a second. You mentioned them before, Kadarius Tony. I just wrote him up yesterday for the Scotty oh! Notebook. I mean – Electric. He's electric. Electric is the best word to describe him. Whether you're talking about return game, receiving, rushing, get him the ball. If you draft him and you don't find a way to get him 10 touches every single week from the first game of the season, you are not doing your job as an offensive coordinator. You're not doing your job. It's literally coaching malfeasance. Yeah. You you need you need to find uh, if I'm an offensive coordinator I'm running jet sweeps I'm running the little shuffle passes I'm running end arounds I'm running wildcat quarterbacks I am I'm I'm taking vertical shots I'm doing I'm doing like reverse flea flickers I'm getting Kadarius Tony involved as much as I possibly can within the confines of my offense and I am just making it a point to get him the ball in space because he is a guy he. He's got electric capabilities. It's so great to see him put it all together this final year there at Florida. I think he's going day two. I think he's an electric player. Every team is going to look at Darius Tony and say, we could use some of that. Every single team. You know, so I don't know. I don't have a – usually I'm pretty good with trying to put a comp. I don't have a good comp for Darius Tony. He, like, you know, he, he – He's a different type of player than Adebo Samuel or LaVisca Chenault. I understand the usage could be similar to those guys because those guys are used in a lot of different ways. But to me, his body type and his explosion is a little bit different than those type of guys. I don't think he's on the Tyree Kill level. I think Tyree Kill was a better, you know, pure receiver coming out than a guy like Kadarius Tony is. But I, but but there's so much to like about his game. I'm excited about him. So. John, thoughts on, I don't know there's much to say about Devonta Smith, but if you want to chime in on Devonta Smith, go for it. But more, I'm intrigued, some quick thoughts on Tony, Surratt, uh, Nico Collins, those guys, because I think those are the guys that this is a really intriguing week for. I think we know Tylen Wallace is going somewhere on day two. I think we know Devonta Smith is going top eight. It's this other group. How high can Tony go? Can Nico Collins and Surratt push their way back into the top 100 mix? Great question. So first, I'm not going to talk about Devonta Smith because he's special. It's it's it. He had a year for the ages. I'm an historian. I'm a college football fan. Johnny Rogers, Tim Brown, Desmond Howard, and Devonta Smith. Only four receivers in the illustrious history of the game to win the Heisman. He was simply spectacular. Kadarius Tony, Paul, I loved how you described it. But here's what I was thinking. And this is not a comp because I'm not good at comps. I'm not. I just not how I. But I'll tell you this. When I saw the Chiefs yesterday and the last two weeks, I said, if you draft Kadarius Tony and you don't watch Eric Bieniemy's film 
in Andy Reid's film and how they use Tyreek Hill, put him in the backfield, jet sweeps, move opposite motion, put him deep, that deep crossing out pattern. Have you seen that on film yet? The Chiefs, when they put him in the slot on the left side and he ends up 40 yards open down the field on the left side. Like, all I could think about yesterday was, that's how you use Kadarius Toney. That's all. And he's not Tyreek Hill. They're different receivers, different athletes. But you're talking about a weapon who, if he's on the field, Every linebacker and safety has to move with him. You have to figure out where is Tony. Because every time I watch the Chiefs, you know what I do? Where is Tyreek Hill? And if I'm sitting in Connecticut saying, where is Tyreek Hill? You damn well know every defender saying the exact same thing on the other side of the field. And so I think Darius Tony is very similar. He should be employed like Tyreek Hill. Now, I think Tyreek Hill's special, so that's why I'm not going to say the comp. Tyreek Hill's like something, I mean, it's just ridiculous how good he is. But Tony has the same level of outcomes where you need to use him. You said it. I'm going to put jet sweeps in. I'm going to give the kid the handoff on the four-yard line. I'm going to use him as a as a decoy. I mean, you, you have to deal with him. So I like him a ton too. I think he'll be a first round pick. Now, Nico Collins. I have grown to like Nico Collins more than I did last year. And here's why. Jim Harbaugh stinks. Jim Harbaugh is a Neanderthal. His offense is awful. And I'm a Wolverines fan. Last year, the Michigan Wolverines had Donovan Peoples-Jones and Nico Collins. And Paul, they were running full back blasts <laughs> about 10% of the time. They could not get the ball into Donovan Peoples-Jones' hands and Nico Collins. And I'll say, I understand Shea Patterson was part of the problem, but guess what? So's Harbaugh. Nico Collins, he was the Wolverines Offensive Player of the Year. I have him as a higher grade than Donovan Peoples-Jones. And Donovan Peoples-Jones flashed this year for the Browns. I think he's going to be a player in the NFL. I liked him in the draft. He was like my 13th or 14th ranked receiver. He flashed for Cleveland down the stretch here. Nico Collins is better. Paul, you know I like Nico Collins even more. If you're looking for a true X, he's 6'4", 222. He is a big bad boy out on the X. If you're looking for a guy in this draft, and he's not Julio, AJ Green. I'm not, he's not that good. They were special players. But if you're looking for your classic X receiver that I'm going to put out there, and he can out physical, he can get open deep. That's Nico Collins. He's very good at the catch point. He's a long strider. I can't wait. I I wish we had the combine because I would love to see what he ran in the 40. You know, because the film is, you know, long striders. I think you and I might have talked about this before. Long striders look slow on film sometimes because their legs are so long. But when they get in the 40, you're like, wow, that was pretty quick for a guy who's 6'3", 6'4". He's physical. He beats press coverage. 
I like Nico Collins. I think there's going to be a team. And I mentioned this on another podcast. Someone invited me on, Paul. Look how this the simpatico of the Carolina Panthers. Three small players. An alpha male in, in more. I love more. You got Sam, Curtis Samuel, the weapon, right? Um, oh, who's the third? Oh, you got Robbie Anderson. You know what they don't have? A big, physical, strong receiver. He would be like that chess piece for them, right? He he has a different style to his game. I like Nick So to me, I think there's going to be a, a scouting department and a, or a, a coaching staff who's looking for that big X receiver, and they're going to look at Collins. And I don't think there's a bigger, better X receiver in this draft class than Collins. So I think he might be go a little higher than people expect. I like him a real lot. I agree with you with Tillon Wallace. My only concern is that injury. He got hurt in 2019 in the middle of the week. If you don't remember, he was like on a Wednesday at Oklahoma State. I'll never forget. I was on Twitter doing my college fantasy football stuff, and it came across like Tillon Wallace got injured in practice. He's out for the year. So that's why his numbers, if you really look, my friends, go watch the film from 2018 on Tillon Wallace. He was unbelievable that year. And he was really good in 2019. And then he got hurt. And this year, I'm giving him mulligan. You know, he had a good year, but it wasn't as great. Strange year. But his film is very good. I like Tillon Wallace also. You're right about that. And I'm going to give you three players, Paul, that I like. And you tell me what you think of these three. Shy Smith, South Carolina. I've fallen in love with him over the watching the film. He played behind Dabo, Debo Samuel and Brian Edwards. This year popped. Don't look at the raw stats, my friends. South Carolina's quarterbacks were terrible. They were terrible. It's amazing the kid had any receptions. They can't throw the football. 5'10", 190. I think he's Golden Tate and Julian Edelman. It's kind of in that bucket, the combination of the two. You can play Shai Smith, in my opinion, at the slot or the Y from day one. Explosive, off the line, quick acceleration. He can get in and out of his cuts. I like Shai Smith a lot. And if you're telling me I can get Golden Tate, I'll take him any day. Golden Tate's had a great NFL career. I like, I've grown to like Amari Rogers, Clemson. If you are looking for a young breakout player, you're not going to like Amari Rogers. But look at the Clemson depth chart, folks. It's very hard to get on the field at Clemson. When you have that many five and four star wide receivers, and Amari Rogers is a little different. Trevor Lawrence has thrown to a lot of big receivers. You just talked about T. Higgins, right? Before this year, <coughs> Trevor Lawrence was throwing to big receivers. This year, he had to rely on Amari Rogers a ton. 5'10", 210 pounds. Natural slot receiver. Stocky frame, natural hands. Lethal combination of balance and burst. I really like Amari Rogers. And the guy I've fallen in love with, Dwayne Eskridge. He, he's not Kadarius Tony. But, man, is he a weapon. I think he's kind of in between Demetric Felton 
and Kadarius Tony. Like if, if you were going to put him on a continuum, you have Dimitri Felton, who's you know more maybe a pure running back, a pure offensive weapon. I think Kadarius Tony is the best wide receiver, but you can put him on jet sweeps and get the ball in his hands. And then you have Dwayne Eskridge, 5'9", 190. He's electric. Now he plays in the MAC. So I think this is a very important week. How's he going to do against that higher level competition, those cornerbacks? I like him a ton there. What do you think about those guys, Paul? So let's start with Amari Rogers because I just watched him and did a deep dive uh, not that long ago, and he he's a guy that has grown on me. Obviously, I know who he was. You what we watch Clemson all the time, but yeah. I think you know. But I think his draft stock is a guy now that who could maybe go around four. And I always yeah. thought he was. You know, I think he's in that mix there, and you know he's he's not flashy. He's solid. He's thick. He's not going to be, he's not a burner. He might run, you know, if, if there was going to be a combine, maybe he runs four, four, eight to four, five, two. Like he's not, you know, that's where he is, but I, I like a lot of his game and I, I think he's an intriguing guy. Uh, he's a guy that I think is, is gets lost in the shuffle because people, you know, just assume it's the offense there at, you know, Clemson who provides it all. But I think himself, I think he's got good athleticism and, and long speed. Not great. Good. I think he's got yeah. very good stop start acceleration, his agility, his elusiveness in the open field. I think he's got great yak and rack ability after oh, catch. Yeah. You know, and I love the compact frame, good compact balance. He can absorb contact, run through it, even at his size. He's got good toughness. You know, these are guys that, he, to me, is a versatile offensive weapon. He could be used in the slot on short to intermediate routes. You could take some vertical shots with him. You could use him on some of those manufactured touches that we were talking about before for Kadarius Tony. He doesn't have that explosion like Kadarius Tony, but he's very good after the catch, and he breaks tackles and picks up extra yards with a combination of his stop-start acceleration and footwork and his contact balance. So I, I think I think he's very intriguing. Shai Smith, I've done a little bit of work on, not enough to feel comfortable really fully giving my thoughts on him. But after hearing your recommendation of him, he's a guy that I want to make sure I get in and and start watching a little bit uh, closer. Eskridge is the guy who I just started working on. There's a lot of people that are very high on him. Dane Rugler thinks he's a round three, round four guy. You're just talking him up. He's a guy who I think could use the senior bowl as a jumping off point in this pre-draft process. So those are, you know, those are guys that I'm really intrigued. I think it's a huge week for Eskridge to step up in competition. I think it's really, really important for him. But you, so we just talked about probably like eight different wide receivers. There's more of intrigue in this. (laughs) You mentioned them before. Trevon Grimes. He's a guy who was a highly regarded college uh, high school prospect. He's shown glimpses. We saw it this year. He's a guy who I think can be a serviceable, functional, backup, outside wide receiver for a team in the NFL. And he has his moments. I think he can shine there this week and make some big plays. Uh, Desmond Fitzpatrick, we've been at the, 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 the forefront of being fans of Desmond Fitzpatrick. And he has went through some ups and downs at Louisville. Go look at his f- redshirt freshman, I believe it is. With Lamar. Yes. He was their best receiver. I they had I think it was Jalen Smith. Correct me if I'm wrong. He was the No, receiver. it was. It was Jalen Smith yeah. and, and, and Des Fitzpatrick. He had he had Jalen Smith. Jalen mm-hmm. Smith put up more gaudy stats 
Desmond Fitzpatrick was the best wide receiver for Lamar Jackson his last year of college. Yes. Desmond Fitzpatrick. And every year, Matt and I talk him up. I think he's going to be a guy that has a better pro career than college career. And he's going to go round five, probably round six, somewhere out there. But I love his play strength. I love his physicality and toughness. I love his route running. He can, he's got inside outside versatility. He can be a big slot. He can be a Z possession style receiver on the outside grips. Good, uh, good, strong grip in terms of catching the ball away from his body. I like Desmond Fitzpatrick. I don't know if this setting he stands out because he doesn't have that, you know, that real wiggle and separation quickness. That's not really his game, but he is a pretty good route runner. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. But he's not going to be a guy that when you watch practice, I think really jumps out off the page at you like some other guys. Uh, Frank Darby, he's a guy who's, who's an intriguing. He's another guy who I haven't done a lot of work on, but I, you know, uh, We've had some people on this year who, who who like Frank Darby. I heard Kuiper and McShay, I think, talking about Frank Darby a little bit. So Frank Darby is another guy that I'm going to use the Senior Bowl week for guys like him, Eskridge, Shai Smith. I'm going to use the Senior Bowl week to get a, to get a, more of a feel for these guys, then watch some film on them, put them in my rankings, see where I, I feel comfortable putting these guys in my ranks. If they are guys who I think are top four round worthy, I'll probably write up a full profile of them and get it in the scouting notebook. But, you know, those guys are there. Uh, those are probably the biggest names. Uh, you have a couple other guys, Kate Johnson, small school from South Dakota State. You got Ben uh, Skaronik out of Notre Dame. You got Racy McMath out of LSU. Oh, another guy, Marquez Stevenson, oh, that was, the I, burner. That- the burner. <laughs> the, the burner, the burner out of Houston, the burner out of Houston. Again, he fits a specific role. You know, not everybody's going to be a first or second or third round pick, but teams are looking, looking. The Giants found Darius Slade in, in the fifth round a couple years ago. A burner who who won vertically at Auburn. Marcus Stevenson can be an imp- could make an impact for a team. He brings tactical value. He can get vertical. He's got that big play capabilities. He's a guy who could shine this week in one-on-ones. He probably is going to give some defensive backs fits, especially those bigger defensive backs, those guys that are more on the physical side, like to kind of, you know, don't like to really, you know, their vulnerabilities are shown against explosive guys. Stevenson gets matched up against some of those guys. He can make some big plays. Uh, you know, Josh Palmer out of t- wide receiver out of Tennessee. Cornell Powell out of Clemson is another guy. Hasn't really gotten a lot of opportunity. When he has, he can make some plays. Keep an eye on him. Austin Watkins Jr. out of UAB. That's the extended list there. <laughs> Any Anybody else that I just brought up that says, yeah, he, I, I'm going to have my eyes on him this week. I'll just have two. I couldn't agree with you more with Marquez Stevenson. First team all AAC 2018 and 2019. Paul, he's a home run hitter. And the speed. Oh, when you watch him on the film. Now, granted, I understand it's the American Athletic Conference. But, Paul, you've probably seen it on film. He just eats people up like he gains separation in the open field, like he leaves defenders in the dust. And here's some stats that just show you how big of a playmaker he is. This year, or 2019, sorry, three catches over 70 yards, 2018, six plays 
over 50 yards. His spatial vision, second level of awareness. If I, I, you probably have noticed it on the top of his stem, he gets late separation. Somehow he has like this gear. Like all of a sudden you can just see it. It, it must be the ball in the air or some innate sense. He just hits it up another gear, and he sometimes catches the passes with three or four yards difference between the defensive backs and him. I mean, the speed is just off the charts. He's actually got pretty nice size. Well, they list him. Remember, we're going off college websites. We'll find out how. But right now he's listed at six feet, 190. He just pops speed-wise. And I was so bullish this year, hoping to see Frank Darby take that next step. He played behind Nikhil Harry and Brandon Ayuk. He was in line to take over that coveted X spot on the Sun Devils. And remember, Harry and Ayuk were both first-round picks. Darby, 6'1", 200 pounds, body control, natural hands, speed, quickness. And Paul, like these Arizona State receivers, he tracks the ball so well deep. Both him and Ayuk had great deep tracking ball skills. I wish we could have seen more of Darby this year because he might have gone, you know, late first, early second. We just don't have enough film on him. I think he played two games this year, made like four catches for the Sun Devils. But I like Darby. I think he's a day three pick now. Maybe he sneaks into the second round. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So listen, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. There's a lot of guys. And like I said, I think with some of the guys going back to school that we were maybe not expecting, and it hasn't been a lot, but there's been a few. I yeah. think it opens the door. And let's be honest, with the influx of young wide receivers producing each of the last two draft classes in the NFL. I think you're going to see, and teams going more green four wide, sometimes five wide all the time. I think you're going to see more and more teams invest in wide receivers that maybe don't even, you know, look at their depth chart and you don't even think they need one. But, but you do. You need three, yeah, you need yeah. four. You look at the Chiefs. Right now, right now, the two teams playing in the Super Bowl, the Bucks have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, if he's back for the Super Bowl, Scotty Miller making plays. You know, they have Tyler Johnson. They, they have, you know, Tyler Johnson. They have Rob Gronkowski. You know, yeah. you look at the Chiefs, they just keep investing in, in receivers. You were talking before about Tyree Kill. You got to find him on the field, right? Yeah. But, it, but you know who else you got to find? And he's not, he's not as obviously, he's not on a Tyree Kill level. Every defense, you better know where Nicole Harmon is. Yeah, you, because right. you, you lose sight of Nicole Harmon because you're paying so much attention to Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Nicole Harmon's going 80. Like you saw some big plays. I mean, he give it and take it a little bit, right? He give it on the, on the fumble <laughs> yesterday, but he made up for it right away because that's. I mean, when 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 that kid gets a shot, and I don't know if he will ever get a shot to be the number two guy there after Tyree Kill in terms of the wide receivers, but if he does and he's on the field for 80 percent of their snaps, God, I can't even imagine that. And then and, and then what if the Chiefs? They don't need anything great. They draft the defense in round one. What if they go out and get like a Kadarius Tony and replace? Oh Andy my God, Watkins? dude! Like, like, it, it, but that's what it is. As a Giants fan, listen, I'd be, I'd be, in, I'd love it if they went out if they somehow landed Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith. But if if they can't get either of those guys, I don't. I'm. I think the closest prospect we have 
since I've been doing Saturday, Sunday to Tyree kill is Jalen Waddle. Every year people throw around the Tyree kill comps for other people. I think Jalen Waddle is the closest one we've had, but if the giants don't go one of those three guys, maybe they might not even have an opportunity at any of them, or maybe they only have an opportunity at Waddle and the injury scares them off a little bit. Going free agents in free agency, maybe they go out and get a guy like Corey Davis, who I think is going to be an underrated in his second contract. Round two or round three, you go, you look at a guy like Tony, Giants need playmakers. Teams all around the league need playmakers. Yes, Tony would be a guy in round two or round three that I think would be intriguing for the Giants because that's just what we and, – and you see this in tying this into the Senior Bowl. There's a couple other guys, Frank Darby, Marcus Stevenson. They're not going to be top three-round picks most likely. But they have the capability to be an impact player. And if you get them in the right scheme, who's to say the Chiefs don't invest in a, in a receiver in the first couple of rounds, but maybe they get Marquez Stevenson in round five or round four, or they get Frank Darby in round four or round five. And then all of a sudden you put them in that team, in that scheme, with that quarterback and that offensive mind, that's where these guys make a difference. So it, listen, I think it, I'm really excited for this week. I feel like the college football season has been, you know, a roller coaster of emotions, ups and downs, canceled games, this and that. Who's playing? Who's not? Who's opting in? Who's opting out? But I feel like the Senior Bowl is kind of the, the the real kickoff of the pre-draft process. And I know the pre-draft process is going to look different again this year. But the Senior Bowl is still here. I know I'm excited to set that DVR for every ounce of second of coverage that they're <laughs> going to have, you know, because it's the, it's the closest thing we're going to get to anything yeah. until draft night. It really is, you know, unless they really start airing a lot of pro days more than just the handful that they usually do, you know, it's the last meaningful football we're going to get until draft night in terms of coverage and stuff. So I'm excited for it, John. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. So glad you were able to join and jump on and do this episode with me. I think if people are just kind of turning the page to the draft and the college prospects, I think we did a really good job kind of setting the stage for the Senior Bowl, giving people an opportunity to get a little bit of background on who these are, who these players are, how they win, maybe where they're thinking in terms of draft projection or our rankings and, and film analysis on these guys. Uh, please let the audience know. I know you're, you're always working on a lot of things. Let the audience know where they can find you. Let the audience know what you're working on, anything else you want to promote. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me on, man. I just absolutely love talking football with you. You're one of the best. Love all your work and everything that you and Matt do. What a great time talking Senior Bowl. I'm all ready for this week. It's exciting. And it's perfect. We got two weeks till the Super Bowl. So all eyes should really be on the Senior Bowl this week. So I'm pumped for that. Find my written profiles for the eighth year. They're going to be available on footballdiehards.com. They come out about, you know, by position. I do the four skill positions for, you know, fantasy football, for football diehards. They'll come out in about mid-February. They'll start coming out. And I have a new series now. I'm working um, with the NFL Draft Bible. And my partner there, um, Matt, and I do the draft seminar. And you can it's more it's a show, video clips. There are 10 minute segments of prospects. You can check those out. And obviously follow me on Twitter at GridironSkull91. Hit me up if you have any questions. And Paul, once again, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Make sure you're following John and all his work that he's doing in excellent coverage year round on college football, college prospects, the NFL draft, all must 
follows and reads as well. So, on behalf of John, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us. Enjoy the Senior Bowl this week, and I look forward next week taking you from Saturday to Sunday.